Welcome to Christ the King. Glad that you're here. My name is Grant. If I haven't met you before, I want to uh, welcome everybody here at the Bellingham campus. Welcome Sutton Valley and Ferndale. We're glad that you guys are here as well. We've been doing a series called Arguing with God. I've been unpacking some of the classic arguments that at least I've been having with God over the last several decades. And if you have a very good memory and you listen to what I'm going to talk about this weekend, uh, some of you may go, I think I've heard this before. And that is actually true. You've heard it before because at least twice a year I speak specifically about this particular topic because it touches every single person in the room. One of the inherent dangers about talking about pain is that people immediately start comparing, they start comparing pain levels. If you don't believe me, here's my experience. So years ago, I had two wisdom teeth extracted. I was standing with a group of people and I said, yeah, I had two wisdom teeth extracted. And immediately the comparisons began and those people that had three or four wisdom teeth extracted at the same time basically called me out and said, you're a complete lightweight. Like two, that's all you have, two, that's it. I mean, and the, the four wisdom tooth guys, they are the worst because they start just saying, you know, I had, I had four wisdom teeth done at the same time with no anesthesia. Like, you know, they were so ingrown, they went through my forehead in order to pull them out. You know, somewhere along the line, they broke my jaw in 19 places and they used a blowtorch, you know, and two wisdom teeth, that's the best you've got. Immediately, people start comparing they start comparing, and then the breadth of pain that's so complex begins to rear its ugly head. There's the relational pain that comes from when a marriage begins to crumble. There's the physical pain of long-term sickness and no answers. There's the, there's the emotional pain of losing a friend or a family member. There's the social pain of posting something on Facebook and then getting verbally assaulted by all of your virtual friends. I have an answer to that pain. It's called actually have a filter and think before you hit post, okay? Just my opinion. All right. There's the pain of a lost dream, the pain of rejection, the pain of poverty, the pain of questioning God. And we usually question God with the same old question. God, why does life have to hurt so bad? Why does it have to hurt so bad? I mean, let's be honest. Pain can make us question God's plan and his love for us. So here comes the argument because I've said it. I've heard it out of my mouth so many times. God, you could end pain. Why don't you? Because why don't you? In the classic book, The Road Less Traveled, the author says this, life is difficult. This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. It's a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we can transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept that, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it's accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. Most do not fully see this truth that life is difficult. Instead, they moan more or less incessantly, noisily or subtly about the enormity of their problems, their burdens and their difficulties as if life were generally easy, as if life should be easy. They voice their belief noisily or subtly that all their difficulties represent a unique kind of affliction that should not be and somehow has been especially visited upon them or upon their families, or their tribe, or their class, or their nation, or their race, or even their species, and not upon others. I know about this moaning because I've done my share. What makes life difficult is that the process of confronting and solving problems is a painful one. Problems, depending on their nature, evoke in us frustration, or grief, or sadness, or loneliness, or guilt, or regret, or anger, or fear, or anxiety, or very uncomfortable, often as painful as any kind of physical pain. Indeed, it is because of the pain that events or conflicts engender in us all that we call problems. 
And since life poses an endless series of problems, life is always difficult and is full of pain as well as joy. Aren't you glad you came to church? So let's talk about the truth of pain, okay? Let's start with this. Pain was not a part of God's original design. Go back to Genesis 1 and 2. God designed the world to be a place of peace and relationship. And it wasn't until mankind introduced sin into the equation that everything went terribly wrong. Pain resulted out of the introduction of sin into the world. And I don't know about you, but in a strange way, it's comforting to me when I'm in deep pain to know that God's heart breaks to the same things that break my heart because it's not the way he designed it to be. Secondly, pain's expected. The book of James says this, when you face trials of many kinds, the word if is not mentioned. When you face trials of many kinds, John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble. That's the deal, and we need to learn to deal with it. Pain's a part of the human condition. We need to expect it. Some people actually think that Christianity is supposed to serve kind of like an equation that goes like this. Follow Jesus and do good things, and that will equal no pain. <laughs> If you actually believe that, you may want to rethink it. Because here's the truth. Followers of Jesus are not immune from pain at all. I think the fact that Jesus suffers and dies on a cross, that should be a clue, right? Isaiah 53 describes the suffering of Jesus. It says he would endure, that he would endure unbelievable pain to defeat sin and to save us. And it's a tough passage because right alongside of the words of Jesus and the name of Jesus are these words. Sorrow, grief, pain. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about his own pain. He describes a thorn in the flesh that torments him. And he also relays God's response to his suffering. The same thing that God would say to each one of us, no matter what kind of pain we're dealing with. My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul responds this way. He says, that is why I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. I read Paul's response and I go, that would so not be my response. If your grace is sufficient for me, why don't you just make this whole thing stop? So where does pain come from? Is it from God? I mean, if that's the case, how in the world do we say that God's loving? I mean, I would think if pain comes from God, that would actually make him cruel, right? Epicurus, a philosopher that lived actually before Jesus, asked the question this way in a famous famous little dialogue he said is god willing to prevent evil but not able then he's not omnipotent is he able but not willing then he's malevolent is he both able and willing then where does evil come from is he neither able nor willing then why do you call him god them's fighting words where i came from <laughs> so let's see what the bible has to say about the origins of pain this one's tough. Some of the pain I endure is because of my own sinful decisions. Galatians 6 teaches us that. This is where it gets tough because we have to own some of our own suffering. Let me be blunt and honest. If you go out this weekend and get wasted and drive and get pulled over by a police officer and thrown in jail, the one thing you don't get to say is, God, why are you doing this to me? You don't get to go there. 
Because God didn't do anything you did. Don't blame shift your choices. Your consequences belong to you. God didn't do it to you. You did it to yourself. Amen. There we go. We got one, right? You know, we don't want to get to ask that question. I could be on this soapbox for a long time because we are so good at this kind of thinking. We show up four days in a row, 20 minutes late. We take an extra long lunch break. Our boss walks in and says, you don't get to do that. We do it again anyway. We get fired. And who's the jerk in the story? My boss. Can you believe that? God, why did you take away my job? God had nothing to do with it. Jerk. All right. Galatians 6 says, don't deceive yourself. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So you plant sinful decisions in your life. Don't be surprised that bad stuff springs out. And the opposite's also true. When you plant godly decisions in your life and you do the discipline the way you're supposed to, godly stuff grows. Seeing I'm already on the soapbox, can we just go with this one? You know, when it comes to the question, why me, God? Have you ever noticed how inconsistent we are with that? When something goes bad, what's the first thing? Why me, God? When was the last time you did, said that when something went good? You got a raise. Why me, God? Why have you stricken me with extra cash? I'm so disappointed. Someone puts a plate of pasta in front of you. Jesus, why? Why all of these carbohydrates and white cream sauce? Why are you doing this to me? Let's keep moving. Okay. I felt better. All right. Origins of pain. Number two. Some of the pain I endure is the result of another person's direct sin against me. This summer I preached from Genesis chapter 37. Told you the story of Joseph and how his brothers plotted to kill him. Now some of our pain happens because people sin against us. Some of you have experienced this. When you're a victim of injustice or rape or slander... Or robbery, the pain and the suffering that comes at the hands of another person, that's absolutely real. And you have to deal with that sometimes for the rest of your life. Thirdly, some of the pain I endure is the result of other people's indirect sin in our world. If you go back all the way to Genesis chapter 6, you see that there are evil systems in the world that often inflict pain on people. I got a front row seat on the suffering that comes from this kind of a system when I went to India earlier this year. And I'm walking around the streets and I'm falling in love with these little orphan children and yet I hear people talking about them saying that they're orphans because they've been cursed by God. They're at the lowest rung. They're not even worthy of life even though they had absolutely no control over whether or not their parents died. And then you begin to hear how the system reinforces this. In fact, the Hindu belief of karma actually states that this lower caste is actually getting what they deserve. And if you actually try to help them, all you're doing is dooming them to have to repeat the cycle one more time. So you just let them suffer. You just let them hurt. Because they're getting what they deserve. Let me throw something in beautiful here. When we were in India, I got to meet a man who runs an orphanage over there. One of the coolest things about this man is that he's from the Brahmin caste, which means he's actually royalty. Nobody understands why in the world is a Brahmin, a holy man, a righteous man, looking after kids that don't matter. One word answer, Jesus. That's why. 
Here's the next origin of pain. Some of the pain I endure is because I live in a world that was broken by sin. And in Genesis chapter 3, sin in, entered the world through one man. Now be very, very careful that you don't just go, awesome, let's just blame this all on Adam, right? It'd be very convenient. Sin broke the delicate balance of the world. And because of that, we live in a broken world. We get so messed up with this stuff. Cancer is a result of this broken world. God doesn't give people cancer. Cancer happens because this world is a busted place. Illness, pain, hurt. It all results because we live in a place that's no longer perfect. It's busted. It wasn't created to be that way, but that is the way it is. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that the whole world, all of creation, groans and longs for the day when the Creator will come back and restore everything to its original design. Don't you love knowing that God wants to fix it? He wants to fix it. Here's the next one. Some of the pain I endure is the result of Satan's destructive plan for those who love God. I mean, you can call me an idiot if you want to, but I believe in the literal existence of the devil. I run into his exploits every single day. I believe the devil's a thief and a liar and he wants nothing more than to destroy and distract those who are called after God. Before I met Jesus, I was a walking picture of Ephesians chapter 2. This was a great description of Grant Fishbook before Jesus. You used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, which means Satan, the spirit who's now at work at those who are in disobedience. I mean, some of the pain that I endure is because when you actually choose the opposite side of the enemy, when you actually say, I've picked a new team, because the captain picked me, that I'm on team Jesus, whether that makes me whether that makes me popular or whether it makes me impolitically correct or anything else that goes along with that, when you actually do that, you paint a target on the back of your head. Some of the pain we endure is because the enemy hates us and the God that we love. And there are times when we are in pain as God's children when we should consider that to be an unbelievably high compliment because the enemy does not target people he's not worried about. So if you're a godly person experiencing pain, you may want to begin to look at that pain as a backhanded compliment from the enemy himself. That's not an exhaustive list. That's not all the origins of pain in Scripture, but it does cover the basics of where pain comes from. Could you do me a favor? Could you look back over top of the list? Because I want you to notice something. Do you notice someone who's not on there as the origin of pain? God. Pain doesn't originate with God. I hear this all the time. Why is God hurting me? And that question holds with it an incorrupt, assum an incorrect assumption that God sits in heaven and gets a kick out of hurting people. That he just starts picking people off. I'm going to hurt you today and hurt you and I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to withhold this from you because my whole life is about making you miserable. That's not an accurate picture of God. You've got to be careful with that one. That's the same thought pattern that we get caught up in. God gave me cancer. God allowed me to be raped. God had a chance to save me, and he did nothing. Now, let's be fair, all right? God does not originate and is not the source of pain, but he will most certainly use the pain of this broken world to point our eyes back to him. Let me give you some words that I hope will help our understanding. When we ask the question, where's God in my pain? I'm going to give you a three-word answer. Hear with me. Hear with me. 
Psalm 23, David's suffering. Some of the pain he brought on himself because he let his hormones take over his brain. Some of his pain came from his family. His own sons were trying to overthrow his kingdom. Some of his pain came from the fact that he was being targeted by evil people. Some of his pain came from the fact that he lived in a broken world. And yet he said this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with When the disciples were caught in a storm, thought they were going to die, Jesus shows up. He's there with them in the storm. So we have to extrapolate that out and answer some questions. Where is God when I'm in pain? Where is God when I'm alone? Where is God when I'm sick? He is here with me. Can you say it out loud with me? Where is God? He is here with me. Deuteronomy 8 describes 40 years. Children of God are wandering in the wilderness and it says that God used that time to test their hearts. He was trying to draw their gaze back towards himself. And as they suffered, the big question was this. Are you going to turn away from God and turn him into your greatest enemy? Or are you going to run to God, acknowledge that he is on that journey with you and actually say from your heart, I believe God is here with me. Let's just flip this whole thing of pain over just for a minute. Have you ever considered that there may be some very good things about being in pain? Have you ever considered that God may actually use pain to draw you closer than you have ever been before? We had a staff member this past week who had open heart surgery. Talked with Ron right before he went in. I said, okay, bro, we got everything else out of the way. What do you really want me to pray for? I mean, you gave us all the nice stuff. What do you really want me to pray for? He said, pray that I will suffer well. That every doctor and nurse that comes in and has an interaction with me would see Jesus in me, even if it hurts. That I could relate with my suffering Savior during this time so that he would receive all of the glory and all of the honor. If we're all going to experience pain, how do we suffer well? I think we suffer well by considering what's good about pain. Let me talk about this from personal experience. Number one, pain draws me closer to God. I want to send you, if you notice in your outline, there is, there is more scripture than I could read this week. Go and read John chapter 9. I have learned this personally. It's not the good times that press me into Jesus. It's not the ease and the blessing that cause me to cry out to God. I cry out to God when it hurts. I know this. Pain is the gift nobody wants, but I've got to acknowledge that this unwelcome friend called pain has actually shoved me closer to a friend who says he will stick closer than a brother. Has anyone else experienced that? I mean, you just get pushed towards it. Here's another good thing about pain. Pain can actually deepen my faith. Romans chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. Paul declares that the pain actually pushes us into a good process. He says this, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. If you've ever met anyone who's gone through an intense amount of pain and allowed God to remain as a friend, you will notice this about them. It'll drive you crazy. They actually have hope. Some of them have joy. 
And you end up shaking your head going, how, did, how do you do that? It's by staying intimately close to the one who is here with you. People who experience pain carry a hope with them and a courage that comes from making the decision to walk with God as opposed to walking away from God when it hurts. Here's the next one. Pain reveals my true character. I think that's good. I mean, when you get squeezed by pain, the real you comes dripping out. I have some experience in the medical field. When people are in pain, what is really in their brain and in their heart comes out their mouth. Remember that the next time you hit your thumb with a hammer, right? True test of your Christianity, right? You know it's true. Okay. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that a man in the Bible named Job suffered horribly. The Bible also says he'd done nothing wrong. But he was still in pain. He lost his family. He lost, he lost everything. He'd done nothing wrong, and yet he said this, when I was tested, I will come forth as pure gold. Job believed that if God squeezed him, what would drip out the bottom was actually a pure reflection of his Savior. That's why he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. Which leads us to the final point. Pain refines me. Benjamin Franklin wisely said this, those things that hurt instruct. I remember one time, I actually got to watch a goldsmith at work. I got invited in to actually be a part of the process. I wish I would have picked up some of the small scraps off of the floor and stuck them in my pocket. I probably would have been better off. But this goldsmith, he actually had a pot of molten gold in a crucible. It was liquid. All, of the bo- all the impurities kept boiling to the top. It's called dross. And then he would take a, bross, uh, a dross scoop and he would actually push it off to the side. He actually handed it to me at one point. I got these great big long gloves on trying to protect myself. One splash. I mean, and you're in trouble. And he said, just push it aside and then tell me what you see. So I did. I pushed away the scum in the purified gold. And when I looked into the crucible, do you know what I saw? me. A perfect reflection. A perfect mirror. It wasn't possible if the gold wasn't refined. No wonder the Bible says this, these have come, meaning very tough times, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Pain is like heavenly sandpaper. It polishes, it rubs smooth those rough areas in our lives. If you want to combat pain, this is theologically deep. If you want to combat pain, be thankful. If you want to combat pain, pray and ask not that God would relieve it, but that he would refine you in that process. When the pain is redeemed, it's so much easier to live with. I mean, nothing's more telling about our belief than when we suffer. We're so quick to say, oh, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Is that true after 12 radiation treatments? I asked my mom about that when she had her cancer. She goes, that's a decision. If you can still praise God after that. We say, God is my strength. Is he? When we can barely walk. 
Scripture over and over again says, you will have trouble, but suffer well and watch how God touches your heart. Here's the last one. It's a good thing. Pain softens my heart towards others who are hurting. I've told the church before, I suffer from tinnitus. Okay, don't compare. Right? Some of you are like, lightweight. Well, you get a little buzzing in your head. Sorry about that. You don't live inside of my head. I could scream right now. It hurts so bad. And every time I preach about pain, don't ask me why. Maybe it's why I only do it once or twice a year. For some reason, it screams louder. Radiates back and forth across the back of my head from ear to ear to ear. And no, it's not because our music is loud. Okay? I suffer from tinnitus. It's a pain. I feel for people who've got a buzzing in their head that doesn't stop even when they sleep. And I'm thankful for this one thing about tinnitus. If you have it, I get you. And I will pray for you if you'll tell me about it. I have a very soft spot in my heart for people who suffer from the same thing. And I don't care if you don't think it's that big of a deal or not. To those of us who suffer from it, it's a big deal. When you're in pain, it allows you to actually empathize with somebody else who's hurting too. Okay, last question. Last question. Why doesn't God just make the pain stop? I mean, if God loves us, why not just make it stop? Why, why, why not help the orphan kids in India? Why not heal that person of cancer instantaneously right now? Well, why not? God, why are you withholding this? Well, let me just give you two thoughts. And I'll give you another thought before I actually say that. I don't know a good answer to this one. And I'm not just going to stick a spiritual bumper sticker on the pain of your soul. I don't have a good answer why God doesn't choose to stop in certain areas and does to other people. I have no idea why one person gets a miracle and the other person doesn't. I have no idea why sometimes the evil guy gets exactly what he screams out to God for and the holy person sits on the sidelines and suffers. I have absolutely no idea. But I will give you these two thoughts. Why doesn't God just make the pain stop? Number one is this. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. In fact, this is where the hope comes from. Revelation chapter 21 says there is coming a day when God will make it stop. When he's going to step into this broken world and make it all right. There's a day coming when God says he will snuff out evil and evil people will answer to God. There's a day coming when God's people will no longer hurt or suffer. The Bible says he will wipe away every tear and he will show us how he was here with us and he will answer all of the why questions and then we will be at peace. And I know that doesn't answer the question directly, but let me make it plain. The reason that God does not make evil and suffering stop instantly is this. You. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Let me tell you what our Bible says. God will not make pain stop, because when He does, the door of opportunity for relationship him, with Him will close. So let me tell you what that means practically. I came to know Jesus personally where I went all in 
Jesus is my Savior and Jesus is my Lord. I went all in in 1984, which means this. If you suffered any kind of pain before 1984 and you need someone to blame it on, you can blame it on me. Because the reason God did not close the door up to that point on pain and suffering is because he was waiting for my sorry soul to drag itself through the gates of heaven. Could it be that today he's actually waiting for you? And that not only is he an answer to your pain, but he's actually anxious for you to acknowledge that it was his pain that kept the door open so you could have an eternal relationship and actually enter into this beautiful time for the rest of history when God will no longer direct all of that anger towards us but instead it's going to be deflected because of the beautiful nature of Jesus and you'll get to spend an eternity with him in relationship without any pain whatsoever have we ever considered that the reason pain and suffering still exists is because God is just so unbelievably benevolent and good to the very people he's trying to reach I know some of you are here and you're suffering I get your emails. I hope you get my responses. Because I really do try to respond personally, especially when somebody's hurting. Didn't plan on doing this. Think we better do it anyway. If you're just in a lot of pain, you're not going to need to share it with anybody. But if you are, you stand up so we can pray over you. Don't think about it. Just get up. Don't let the pain of denial hit you, okay? Awesome. If you're close to any of these folks, would you get out of your seat and just come and put a hand on their shoulder? Just go stand with them. Just go and stand alongside. Let's just pray. Father God, I pray for every person here who is enduring a part of being human. Whether it's relational pain or emotional pain or financial pain. Lord, whatever kind of pain it happens to be, I pray that they would know leaving here today that you are here Lord, I pray that they would know that the hands resting on their shoulders right now, they may belong to human beings, but those are your hands, God. And they are saying, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you. Father God, I pray that each one of us would see the good in pain and that you would allow us to suffer well. Lord, you said to ask for the desire of our heart, Lord, so if the desire is for relief, we cry out for that, knowing you can give. Lord, if we are to be refined, if we are to be changed, we receive that from you because we believe all that we have heard today in all of the scripture that we have read. God, thank you for putting a good friend in the very front row and Lord, I don't know everybody else's stories, but I do know Rodney's. And I pray in the name of Jesus 
that you would heal him from this pancreatic cancer. Jesus, I pray that you would touch his body and that you would heal him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Father, I pray that you give him strength and courage to not give up. I thank you for the precious friend he is in my life. We've been through a lot together, God, and we don't want that to end now. So, Lord, would you touch my brother? Would you lift him up? Because I know if you do, he's just going to use that opportunity to brag about you. So, Lord, for Rodney's story and every other person in this room, I pray that they would feel your presence, know your heart, and that this pain would be covered with your beautiful my grace is sufficient for you. Touch them, God. We pray this in faith believing. All God's people said, Amen.